Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Unschooled Unleashed. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, and today we're going to do the third installment of How Not to Unschool, where we're going to cover what mistakes not you know, you try and you should try and avoid if you're homeschooling, unschooling, basically in your child's education at home. So, uh, two episodes before this, uh, these episodes are completely independent. They're just going through uh, everything I could think of. I know I miss stuff. Don't hold me to that. I'm sure I'm going to get some good comments on. Oh, what about this and that? Notice that I didn't say picking the wrong curriculum <laughs> is one of them in any of this. So stay tuned, see what I have to say. Uh, hopefully it helps you out. It helps you avoid some of the mistakes that I've made and mistakes that I'm trying to avoid. So with that, let's dive in. Jumping right back into mistakes we often make when we are homeschooling, unschooling, whatever you want to call what you're doing. Um, maybe mistakes that I'm making. <laughs> If we if we want to be more accurate, kind of joking, kind of not. Uh, next segment is about advanced learning strategies and techniques and the mistakes we make in our homeschooling endeavors, our home education endeavors. Uh, the first mistake that I want to cover is overlooking project-based learning and real-world application. I don't know why we get so entrenched in a textbook when we think of homeschooling, when we think of education. It's it's not in a textbook. A textbook is a reference material. Textbook you can learn a lot from, but it's a practical application of whatever you're learning that really makes an impact. I know 10, 15 years ago when I was in uh, college for my bachelor's, they were switching a lot of the classes over for uh, like to, pra to be the classes specific to my degree. And I, be I became a respiratory therapist, so these were healthcare classes. They were switching it all over to project-based and collaborative group-based projects where we had to come up with an answer and talk with each other. So, you know, they would give us a scenario um, and then we'd have to come up with the solution. And this is exactly what we do in the hospital is talk with other people, come up with an, interve an intervention and then move forward on it and actually do it. We did this in, uh, we did this in the hospital, but before that, you know, with actual patients, but before that we, did it as a group with mannequins and uh, tried to make it as real as possible, right? We did it as projects, like we had a patient who had a problem and we were going to try and solve this problem, right? And it's real world. I think that's the kind of thing we're going after. The more closely you can resemble the real world or actually make it real world, the better. Like if you're a plumber, if you wanna be a plumber, go out there and start fixing things that leak, right? Uh, fix plumbing, make some plumbing stuff. These are things that we can do. Let me let me read what I wrote. 
um because it's it's a nice little summary of what i what the points i'm trying to make relying too heavily on theoretical knowledge even though i love theoretical knowledge it's kind of my jam without providing opportunities for practical application can limit understanding and engagement again we are trying to get our education our goal is to make it as engaging as possible that's what makes it so efficient because they remember better uh they're, they're able to recall it easier they retain it better they have fun while doing it so it's less stress for you and them this is where we want to head embracing project-based learning that tackles real world problems can enhance critical thinking creativity and the ability to apply knowledge in practical settings i remember when i was learning uh, college algebra I, I was so i did not enjoy it at all and the reason i did not enjoy it i found out was because it was not practical at all it's completely theoretical even though i love theory i just couldn't connect it to anything i would ever be using until i took college physics i ended up taking uh, as much physics as i could as electives in addition to the requirements that i had because i found out i really loved math it was the practical application of it to solve problems even though it was still theory at a high level because we weren't actually like solving real problems but the closer i got to being able to make this more practical for myself the more interested i got and the more fun i had i actually thought about going to engineering school for a while because i enjoyed practical application of math so much turns out that my profession in respiratory therapy uh fluid dynamics is a big thing so that's practical application of physics so and it saves lives and i thought that was pretty cool i thought that was a nice blend because i wanted to help people in a major way and make a big impact and i run life support when i uh work as a respiratory therapist so uh Get exposure to a broad variety of things that you're trying, you know, you want you want a broad exposure for your child to different things. Let them dive in where they find something interesting. Make it as real world and as practical as possible. And I don't think you're going to go wrong. Moving on. The next mistake we can make in our home education is not preparing for the gig economy or freelance opportunities. Now, I don't remember what I covered in the last couple episodes, like if this was one of the things, but I almost guarantee I mentioned it. So I'm going to read what I wrote, and then I'm just going to go off on a little tangent. <laughs> Ignoring the shift towards freelance and gig economy careers can limit, it, limit children's preparedness for future job markets. Teaching entrepreneurial skills, self-marketing, and the basics of freelance business management can equip children for success in a variety of career paths. The reason I have this in here and the reason why I think it's so important is because there's a good portion of the job market out there that we don't even have a name, like a title to yet. We don't even know what it's called because it's not invented yet. Things are increasing in complexity as far as the job market and the pace is also increasing so fast that we're going to have to change very quickly. And I'll get into that in the next top the mistake, but in order to prepare our children for the future, which I think is gig economy, freelance opportunities, or entrepreneurship, which will be the majority of the job market, at least uh, at least close to half at the very least by the time they're, they're out there in the workforce, almost already is, uh, we're, we're going to need to give them 
tools to be successful, hold themselves accountable. Those types of things. Like basically uh, teach them how to be independent. That kind of thing. And again, I don't want to step on the next topic too much. I want to make sure I'm focusing on this one. So I'm going to rein it back into the future job market. Look how AI is shifting everything. Pretty much every job out there will change in some form. Human productivity will be amplified by AI. And being able to use artificial intelligence and any other tools that come up along the way are going to be very important. So we need to prepare them how to to be able to do that. And especially, like I'm often a contractor. I contract with hospitals. Uh, I'm a basically a freelancer in that way. I'm a contractor. And marketing my skills, uh, self-motivation is very important within that. Allowing my children to see that is a great way to tackle that. Allowing them to test out their entrepreneurial skills or freelance stuff in the market, I think is also very important. Now, my kids are only 10, 8, and 5, but I think we're getting to the age where we can start doing some of that stuff. Uh, We've already done some of it at a very low level, but we're getting to the point where they can actually get out there and try and market some of their stuff that they make or some of the products that they have or, you know, do a podcast, do a whatever. Have some fun, right? And uh, figure out how to make money while having fun and helping others, providing value to the world at the same time. Moving on, uh, very closely connected, is the mistake we make is failing to foster independence and self-directed learning. Over-managing children's learning paths without encouraging independence can hinder their ability to learn autonomously and manage their own educational journeys. This is critical in the future, and I'll tell you why. Encouraging self-disciplined projects and goal-setting can foster independence, self-motivation, and the ability to pursue lifelong learning. It's critical because the majority of work out there is going to be gig economy, freelance opportunities, entrepreneurship, those types of things. AI is changing it very quickly. So my the goals I have for my child's education, one, aren't just academic, but mainly they're focusing on how to make a good functioning, a well-functioning adult as early as possible. Well, maybe not as early as possible, but as early as appropriate and preparing them for the future workforce. So here's how I broke it down. One, I want them, and this is my goals for my children's education. One, life skills acquisition. Basically prepare them for adulthood. Basic and critical tasks. This could be budgeting, making an income, paying the bills, could be done by entrepreneurship like we just talked about. They also have to learn how to cook, clean, all that stuff. Basic skills, how to function as an adult. That's number one. If you can't do that, the rest of life falls apart. Two, self-knowledge. I want my kids to know at a young age who they are, how they work best, how much sleep they need, what interests them, what they're good at, what they're bad at, what they like, what they don't like, when they... uh, what they want to be when they grow up, self-care preferences, like how they actually care for themselves. Do I like to go to movies? Do I like to take a couple hours to every week just kind of chilling out, reading a book or I don't know, uh, other stuff, you know, what what kind of personalities they work best with as far as other people. This kind of self-knowledge is critical in order to 
have a well-functioning life. And this is this is actually one of the major advantage, advantages of unschooling is they get to be able to focus in on all of these and they have preferences on it because they're not told to conform. They're told to individualize. That's what this is, is individualization. Figure out who you are and what works best for you, not here's what time you wake up. Here's what you like to do sitting in class for seven and a half hours a day, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, all that craziness, right? That's why I pulled them out of school. That's why I put them in unschooling or I'm doing the unschooling strategy for their education. It's because I want them to know themselves. That's one of the big reasons. In addition, I want them to uh, have social skills, interact with strangers, not just kids of the same age group, have valuable friends, have uh, freedom of association. Meaning if I don't want this person that doesn't treat me right, AKA a bully or someone like that, right? I'm going to get out of there, right? That's, that's, that's the freedom we have. But you know, in school, you really don't have that freedom. You can go over and complain. We have a zero tolerance policy, da, 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 da. It still happens, right? Uh, the, the truth is we don't, we, I want freedom of association for myself and I want it for my kids. Uh, we have to work, learn how to work with people who we don't get along with though, right? And that's just inevitable in life and they'll learn that along the way. I don't want to create an artificial environment <laughs> that forces them every day to have to sit in gum or be picked on or punched, beat up, whatever it is, the stuff that we all had to go through before the, they even put a focus on, on bullies. And the stuff still happens, unfortunately. So I don't care. That's It seems to just be a part of life. Uh, you know, they got to learn how to work with it. So, uh, further goals. This is more for preparing them for the future workforce, nurturing creativity in, in the land of AI abundance. What's left that's human? Well, creativity is there. We're the ones who come up with the unique ideas. We're the ones who go over and tell AI what to do. Our creativity, our AI depends on our creativity. So it amplifies it and does the work and makes things easier. Maybe the last thing we human thing we have left in the future, at least by the time my kids get to be adults. Creation of something new. Good questions to ask to, to get the better answers. These, these are the things that uh, are important in the future as far as I can see. So nurturing creativity is very important to me. I, the ability to teach yourself is going to be huge because children will have to learn faster and more consistently to stay competitive in tomorrow's landscape. As they're in the gig economy, freelancer, entrepreneur, even just to keep your job, your W-2 job, they're going to have to teach the self to stay competitive because the world was going to change faster for them than it ever did for us. And our world has changed faster than, than it ever did for our parents and their parents, right? It just keeps on accelerating, which is insane. But it's the way it is. So teaching yourself seems to be an important thing. Well, that's why I unschool is because they actually learn how to teach themselves. That's the whole point is they do teach themselves. <laughs> they dive into something. They're interested in it. They learn about it. They see something that stands in the way. Then they dive in and learn about it so they can go overcome that challenge. Right? It's constantly challenging yourself, seeing a problem, standing up to that challenge, that problem, and, and conquering it because you know why you want to do it. And that seems like uh, some good self-knowledge right there too. Last goal is adaptability. I want the ability to change quickly in the future work workforce. So that's what I'm going to have my kids do, right? That's what I'm going to give them the opportunity to do. 
The future of workforce, again, will change at an even faster rate than today, okay? And children will likely have to do multiple career changes to keep up. So I don't ask my children what they want to be when they grow up. I say, what do you want to do first? What do you think? And usually they say something like astronaut or scientist or even work at Mark's, which is a local grocery store here in the Northeast Ohio. Um, sure, try it out and then move on. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm on my second career, possibly my third career, actually probably my third career at this point. There it is, you know, adaptability, teach myself how to do it, use my creativity to figure out what I'm going to do. Future workforce, don't forget about it. Moving on, uh, the next mistake that we often make is neglecting the evolution of learning technologies and educational tools. If you're still just using textbooks, you're behind the you're behind the ball. There's so many good apps out there that can teach your kids stuff that we just had to read about that are so much better that actually help make it the gamify it like stuff that doesn't matter stuff like multiplication that if you just are able to retain that information and recall it you're going to be better off it doesn't matter if you gamify it or make it fun uh, or not not make it fun gamify it or make it like this one time kind of thing where they're just going into it for a bit. Uh, my kids liked, uh, an app called space pigs where they get to zap bubbles by doing multiple learning the multiplication table. I saw no problem with that using that app because, uh, it's a one-time thing. They're not going to build upon it. Once you got the multiplication table down, you just reference it for the future. Great. Move on. Some things I do have a problem with gamifying because it's like, if you if you see a goal on the other end that you want to dive in and you want to you want to achieve that goal, so you want to dive into it full first, gamifying it only slows you down. Uh, the game itself is achieving that goal, if that makes sense. So adding another game to it makes it silly, but that's not always the case. Um, let's see here. There, there's another there's there's other apps for math that that I want to try and dive into. I've used. Uh, Oh, I can't remember some of the names of the some of the apps that teach physics and you know like Khan Academy and uh, others that, that that teach a lot of this stuff, and, and it's such a resource that we didn't have growing up, or at least I didn't have growing up, and it, it and it can be very effective and more engaging, interactive, that kind of stuff for for kids, and they can learn quicker. Oh, even TV shows. Like, I had no problem with my kids learning history from television, as long as it's accurate. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we can read about it, but what's the difference if you retain that information and you can get as much from the TV show or the long documentary or the huge long series that's more entertaining and dramatic? If you can get it from that, like, why not? Uh, obviously, books are packed with more information, so I think that's great to you dive in even more, but that's step two in my head. At least that's the way I use it. Uh, I love historical stuff, so I'm always watching the documentaries on that stuff, and that's why I know a lot of history. You just got to make sure it's actually accurate, and you can trust the source. That's all. I find it more engaging. Uh, lastly, in this segment of advanced learning strategies and technologies, is uh, I, I another mistake we make, or that you can make, and and it's hard to tackle because it's always changing. Is Discrediting the importance of digital literacy and online safety. So we tend to assume 
that uh, digital literacy will come with our children, you know, just like happen. Cause that's kind of what happens and it does, but we can often slow down our children by our own digital literacy because of online safety. So we don't know enough technology and we're not going to let them use it because we don't know how safe it is. Okay. So let me read what I wrote and then I'll dive into my spiel. In an increasingly digital world, failing to teach digital literacy and online safety can leave children vulnerable and unprepared for the complexities of complexities of digital spaces. Integrating comprehensive digital education, including responsible internet use, privacy, and cybersecurity can prepare children for future while ensuring their online safety. Um, this is the future, guys. Deal with it or try to avoid it, and then they're going to jump in without having ever been exposed to it, or they're going to dive into it without you as a guide. You really got to figure this out for them to make sure they're protected, especially at a young age. And when they get a little bit older, you know, you're going to have less control, less ability. So teach them younger, earlier rather than later is my strategy. Learn it yourself. So that way you know what to spot. I know uh, I set up uh, all the screen time stuff with my Apple products. That's why I got my kids iPads because I do believe that iPads are actually beneficial to them. And I had to learn all the online safety to, to, to be able to do this. So that took a while because I really don't have the security system set up for myself, right? Um, but there's a ton of apps out there that they can learn a lot with. And you're only going to slow them down if you don't. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, moving on into the next segment uh, is holistic learning. That's what I'm titling this. Holistic learning. <laughs> the first mistake we make in holistic learning is neglecting the arts and humanities in favor of STEM. Everybody said STEM, 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 STEM. Or STEAM now is what they're calling some of it. But uh, you know, to be more inclusive of the arts. Uh we put such a focus on STEM, we basically said that everything else is a waste of time. Kind of reminds me of when we said, you need a college degree, forget about the trades. It feels like that to me. And it's like, there's there's value in this. If you go out there now, like the trades are the thing to do. You can make six figures pretty easy doing the, and, and get paid to learn. Like that sounds like a no-brainer if, you're, if you enjoy that stuff. Well, in the future... As we look off into the, well, let me, let me table that and let me read what I have read because it's more clearly put. And then I'll do my spiel, or my little soapbox, I should say. While STEM projects are vital, overlooking the arts and humanities can lead to a narrow educational experience lacking cultural and creative literacy. This will be important in the future, in my opinion. Balancing STEM education with arts, literature, history, and philosophy can provide a well-rounded worldview and foster creativity. The reason I think this is important is because as we look off into the future, we're the some of the STEM stuff, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, is going to be offloaded, or at least amp, we're we're gonna, we're going to have uh, a decreased ability, decreased need to be able to have a firm understanding and all that stuff. Not arguing that you don't need to focus on this stuff. I still put a more of a focus on this than I do uh, arts and humanities currently, and that may change, but. Uh, as far as I can see it, creativity is the number one, one of the top attributes that I want to culture in my children. 
because they're going to be interacting in this technologically advanced world that all information can be looked up and told to you and researched using artificial intelligence and da 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 da. Okay. With that being said, if creativity is the way we interact with this, and that's uh, the, the, the main thing that separates us from everyone else using AI, I think having a broad understanding of the world, meaning philosophy, history, literature, arts, is going to be very important because then you can ask better questions. And the more, the better, and, and, and you can be intuitively kind of follow a path down to solve a problem because that's really what I think we're probably going to be inevitably doing is just solving different problems using artificial intelligence, whatever we're going to be calling it, the different brands of it in the future. I think that neglecting this stuff is going to be a huge mistake. Uh, although you're not making the worst mistake in the world by focusing on STEM, it's, you know, you need that too. So, but no one forgets to focus on STEM, uh, at least on outwardly, they don't forget. It's more of like kids have a hard time with STEM. And I think that's why they don't, kids don't get it as opposed to neglecting it. But I do think kids neglect arts and humanities. Uh, at least the, the, the teachers or the people in charge of a kid's education, they often do in favor of STEM. Um, next mistake we make in regards to holistic learning is overlooking ethical and moral reasoning in education. Everyone's scared to touch this. Uh, failing to integrate discussions around ethics, morality, criti and critical societal issues can leave children ill-equipped to navigate complex global challenges. When I say global, I just mean challenges that all of us are facing. It could be in your country. It could be in your city. It doesn't matter. But they're all complex and... We need to talk about them. Engaging in debates, I think, is incredibly important to be able to see two sides. Community service and teaching ethical reasoning and going through exercises like that can cultivate a strong moral compass and a deep, deep sense of empathy and understanding. I try and portray both sides of an argument, even if I disagree with, you know, what someone's promoting. Someone, my kids go, hey, what's a... What's this whole, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, but my kids will ask questions on stuff they hear on TV, like if you're watching the news or whatever it might be. And you, you have to walk them through the sides of things. This is what I choose to do because I want them to be able to hold two opposing ideas in their head and be able to log, you know reason through it. I think that's a sign of maturity. And I think it's also a, the, the only way forward in an increasingly uh what's the word i'm looking for there's a lot of conflict out there it's polarized a polarized polarized society where you're on my team or you're not and we have no understanding for each other uh oftentimes i think everyone's on the same team they all want what's better you know they, they all want what's good it's just different ways to go about it okay Having an understanding of that and trying to find the deeper issue, like where that things diverge, is good because then you can figure out where the disagreement is. And it's usually it's just a new disagreement about 
ways to go about getting to the same goal. So we're both on the same team. We're just going on different paths. That's I can build a lot of empathy and understanding for someone else. Uh, I also think that this is just a, a good life skill, not just for the, you know, going out into the workforce, or it, it's also a good thing for dealing with people that you come across in your relationships. Uh, your cousin who completely has a different political stance or your uncle or whatever. It's good. So don't ignore it. Walk your kids through it. And don't, don't, don't have them biased one way or another. Obviously you can tell them what you believe and why you believe it, but get them to be thinkers. Hold those two ideas in their head. Have them make a decision. They're going to be way less susceptible to being misled if you can do that because if they're thinking for themselves and they're not just being told what to do all the time they're self-directed they're autonomous they're not sheep and that's huge especially in the future uh last segment that i want to go into and we'll end this series on mistakes we do in home education <laughs> We're going to talk about science, nature, and the environment. I think that neglecting the wonders of science in the universe is a cr critical mistake. Man, there's just so much awe. I'm a, uh, a follower of Christ, so I look and see the universe as just awesome, like by its purest definition, awe-inspiring. Focusing solely on practical knowledge, which you know is important, without instilling a sense of wonder about the natural world and the universe can limit the child's curiosity and imagination. We want to follow their curiosity. That's that's the child-led part, right? We're gonna follow their, their, their interest, their curiosity, their imagination. And isn't that what one of the funnest, most fun things in life? Isn't that what we all aspire to do? Let's get that started at a young age with that self-knowledge of what I like and what I don't like. That's why I'm in school so they can learn that early. And then let's dive in. Exploring astronomy, uh, natural sciences, the mystery of the universe can spark a lifelong passion for discovery and understanding in our place in the cosmos. I, I think it's just so cool. I love to watch the space shows and just think, seeing how big the universe is and how much we don't know is incredibly mind-blowing for me. So I think it's, it was a mistake I don't often make, but I think it's a mistake that uh, a lot of, you know, they try and make the, the world as small as possible. And then when they get out there as an adult and they see that they're, that the world's so big and there's so many ideas, they're going to question everything. And if you go over and expose them to how big the world is and how many new ideas there are, and the, 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 how big the world is to explore, and you can walk beside them when they're doing that as opposed to just blindly going about it or whoever's in their ear like leading them at that time who you don't know who they are, right? It's the college professor who has an agenda trying to walk them down this whatever path. And it's like, no, I want to expose them and walk with them when they're when they're younger, when they're when they're first diving in to it. Uh, not not just releasing them to the world when they're 18. Anyways, off that soapbox. Uh, the last mistake that I'm going to talk about and then we'll end this series is failing to address sustainability. Overlooking the critical importance of sustainability education can leave children unprepared for one of the most pressing issues of our and their generation. 
Incorporating sustainability projects and initiatives that promote environmental stewardship can inspire commitment to the Earth's future. Now this has become a political topic. Okay, great. (laughs) Hopefully we can all agree that our environment is becoming more and more toxic. I think everyone kind of agrees that, that we're moving in the wrong direction in certain areas. Now what those areas are, are up for political debate now. Okay. My thing is, I think plastics is one of the most under-talked about environmental issues we have. No one wants to talk about it because guess what? It makes our life easy. People make a lot of money from it and the government doesn't know what to do, I'm sure. I think a sense of responsibility for Earth is something that's very important because our children are going to inherit this Earth and I don't want it full of mercury, arsenic. You know, I don't. It's in our food. Look it up. All this stuff is in our food, and we eat it. It's crazy. We're not, you know, you think wild caught is better. Sometimes it's not. Like you always think, oh, it's got more vitamins. It's got this and that. Like it's, you know, that's why it's more expensive. Well, look at some of those big fish you catch from the sea that are around for a hundred years. They're full of toxins, full of plastics. They're full of, oh gosh. And and, then, you know, sustainability, fishing and all this stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, it becomes so complex. We need to be a good steward of this earth. We inherited this earth and we're going to pass it on to our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' kids' kids, right? That's important. And we don't want to do it with shame like Oh, look how bad you are for using plastic. It's like, no, we need, this is a problem that we as the community, we as the world need to solve and entrepreneurs solve the world, solve it, figure it out. You know, teaching these environmental issues can change the world. It has in the past. We use way less of something and do way more with it. That's a good thing. If we use way less plastic and we can do a lot more with it, that's a good thing because we slow down the rate of putting it into the environment. Anyways, get off my soapbox. We're coming up at the uh, limits on time here that I try and keep my episodes, so I'm going to end it there. Hopefully, you're able to follow along. I feel like I was a little bit scattered on this one, but uh, just go out there and do your best, okay? This is the closing statement that I want to leave you with. You're going to make some mistakes. This is what I could think of. You're going to make some off this list. I'm already making a lot of these mistakes. Okay. Go out there and just do your best. That's all you can do. My kids just played a basketball game today. And they they lost, but I look at them and I just say, did you do your best? If the answer is yes, then that's all you can do and you should be proud of that. Because that's your work. And that's what you have to stand by, right? That's where your uh, self-confidence comes in because you know you're going to go out there and do your best and you're not going to come back after that having any regrets. So go out there, do your best with your kids' education. Don't worry about all the mistakes, of course, but find the mistakes that you could make. That's why you listen to this episode. Find the mistakes that you could make, protect against it, and then just do your best. And guess what? You're going to be better prepared or your kids are going to be better prepared for the future than probably 80% of people out there, 80% of the kids out there because 
you're intentional about it. And if you're intentional about it, guess what? 80% of the people aren't doing that. So with that being said, stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. I'll catch you in the next episode. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world. And the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message, and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.